0: I'm just sitting here waiting for Roman to show up. He took a shower uh, before recording this podcast. He wanted to be extra fresh for me. I take that as the highest compliment possible. And hopefully my audio is coming in decently enough for um, you guys to work with. So I'm just going to sit here and hang out. We'll see where this goes. We'll see what kind of podcast Roman and I put together because... I don't know if I've ever spent more than a few minutes on a podcast with Roman. So can we can we pull it off? Can I keep him talking? Should I just not talk at all and let Roman talk the whole time? I think I'm going to ask a lot of questions because I read a lot of books that I don't know anything about. So I'm excited to hear from his sage wisdom. And here he is. Let me bring him in. Welcome to the Perfectly Unacceptable guest host of the Perfectly Acceptable podcast. My name is Will, and I'm joined here by the lovely... Roman. I was gonna say, Roman, that's your turn to talk. You're the only other person here, there's no one else (laughs) to to chime in. Wait, is that Um, me? Oh my god. Yeah, Roman and I are gonna be talking about comics. Our favorite hosts, Jeff and Django, are... they have a million things going on. Jeff is out of town again for, I think, the 14th time in the last 20 days. And Django's had a busy weekend, it's Comic-Con, everybody else has gotten to go down and walk around through Comic-Con and Roman and I hung back and held down the fort in Bellingham while everybody else was down there having fun. But you know what? We read a lot of comics, so today we're hoping to talk about comics, maybe talk about the comings and goings of our lives just a little bit, maybe talk about the people that we know and love who uh, patronize or run the Comics Place in Bellingham, Washington. Let's get this show on the road, Roman, and let's start talking about some comics. I've never done this before. I've hosted a, you know, Ted Lasso podcast with Jeff. I send you guys emails every week. I don't even know what episode this number is. Oh, And I'm um, usually the one to tell you the episode (laughs) number. Uh, Yeah, in fact,
1: I rely on you so much for that. I don't know what episode number it is either. I
0: think it might be 305 or 306 because like, Jeff and Django just uploaded something like yesterday to talk about Comics Pro, and I haven't had the opportunity to listen to that yet. So let's just speculate. We're at 306?
1: 306 306, uh, yeah, 305, sub 305 to 307. It's somewhere in that range,
0: yeah. So I, I want to ask since it is Comic Con week and both of us held back, when's the last time you went to Comic Con? And I'm curious mm-hmm. what may be one of your favorite Comic Con memories it doesn't have to be emerald city but you know you've been doing this a long time i imagine you've been to a lot of cons over the years what's something that's like crazy memorable that happened at a comic con that you've been to in all your comic booking years
1: well and i haven't been to as many as you might think just because i've uh either money or you know couldn't get out of work or whatever when was the last time i was at I, i geez i think the last time i was at a well a comic con was the bellingham comic con in ferndale but you know Maybe we, should, we, maybe we should excuse that one because it's you know right in the backyard. So <laughs> there's still no, there's yeah. little effort. <laughs> last time I was at Emerald City it was God a long time ago, like 2011, maybe earlier.
0: Wow,
1: 2007.
0: <laughs> it's time yeah. to get you back to a con.
1: Yeah, it's it's been quite a while. When was the last time you were you were we at one?
0: I, it feels like it was just months ago, and that's because it was months ago. That's part of the reason why I didn't go to this one. I think it's money, and it's a bunch of other things. It's my wife's birthday weekend as well. Happy birthday, oh, Sarah! I love you. Yeah, she's not going to listen to this, but I had to put it in there anyway. <laughs> but the last time I went was whatever it was, like August of of last year, and that was a lot of fun. Spent way too much money, and so I wanted to avoid that this time around. And there wasn't a lot of creators that I was felt like this is a person that I have to go and you know get a book signed from. But there yeah. have been a couple the past few years, and. You know, I've gotten some, I've met some great people, I have really memorable encounters like uh, with Chip Zdarsky and Mark Russell and Donnie Cates and some great people there. But I think my favorite Comic-Con memory was taking my kids there and then having a moment where we wandered past a table where my daughter saw a writer slash artist, um, I think her name is Kristen Goodsnook. And she does a book, a couple of like, kids' books. My daughter loves those books. And we were wandering past the booth. She saw those books, had no idea she was going to be there, and she had her first like total Comic Con geek out moment <laughs> where she was just like so excited. The uh, the author Kristen was super sweet, and then she, you could tell she was really touched by like how excited my daughter Olivia was. And. Yeah. Um, there was like the volume three of the book out. So we were able to buy the volume and get it. Have her she signed the book for her and they just had a really wonderful, sweet encounter. And it was like, man, this is, this is exactly what I want to do to live vicariously through my kids is see their excitement <laughs> uh, and enjoy it at that level. So, but I don't think I got oh, that's yours. Mad. Did, did you have a chance to think about what your favorite was?
1: Oh, oh yeah. Sorry. I didn't even say that. Yeah. I, oh, that's a great one of yours. I love that. My, well, actually the first one came to mind. I, I, well, I can't talk about on air, quote unquote, just because it's a it invo- it involves people in our friendship group and behind the scenes stuff and, and salacious stories. So but, <laughs> I really but, want you to go there. Maybe we're gonna to
0: have to pause the recording. Hear these <laughs> stories.
1: But professionally, because we're so we were very professional here. You know, it's kind of a, a, a amalgamation of things. Just because there's so many great creators out there, and they're, and they're so nice. I mean, Jeff Johns, Dan Slot, Mark Wade. If you catch him in the right in the right mood, <laughs> and some other person isn't ticking them off. Geez, Don Rosa from the the you know Carl Barks Donald Duck stuff and everything. Mm-hmm. All impressed me with just how nice they were and just kind, gentle, friendly people.
0: That's 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 been my favorite thing. Like I only started going to like the artist alley section in the last few years, and almost everyone I've met has just been the sweetest, kindest person, and they're so excited to have someone yeah. come up and you know talk to them about about their work and there if there's not a line there like they're usually willing to stand there and chat with you for a minute and it's just it's so cool to be reading these books and you know they're just their name in a book but we start to admire their work and then to meet them in person and i've said before like never meet your heroes and in this instance i think like so many of these creators are so (laughs) awesome that i recommend you actually do meet them because then you get even more excited to, to read their work
1: yeah yeah and even the um and you know, everybody's just people. so of course, there's people out there that may not be in a good mood or something. but yeah. most my most of my experiences, I haven't had really any bad ones. I mean, at the most, is maybe somebody who was a perhaps a little grumpy because, you know, their lunch plans got all messed up or something. Mm-hmm. so it's a very minor I mean, Lou Ferrigno was great.
0: did he get did so Lou Ferrigno didn't get angry and like, Nope, Change into a nope. green monster. Uh,
1: well, well, you know, I'd seen the show, so I knew to uh, to just play it cool and be calm, and nice. I <laughs> would and... like him when he's angry. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I um, brought him a burrito.
0: <laughs> you know who I would really love to meet at Emerald City or somewhere else, and I have not had a chance to do so yet, because I don't think he likes coming to the West Coast, or what? Is Mr. Tom King. Did you know I'm a big fan of Tom King? I, I You know, I, I kind of suspected that. I'm a big fan, and I'm a big, even bigger fan after reading Human Target. Issue number twelve. Did you read this, Roman? Oh, of
1: course I did. It's been a great series, and, I, and this is the final issue. I want to say
0: this is the final issue. That's funny because yes. his Instagram has been kind of weird lately. I don't know if it's purposeful or he's not paying as much of attention. But after issue when he when issue eleven came out, he posted on Instagram the final issue of Human Target comes out today, oh, right? And then at the end of the issue, it says to be continued. So this is like, <laughs> what, what? What happened? But man, I. I, I I don't know if I can articulate in words how much I love this book but maybe I'll let you start if you want to Roman.
1: Sure. Well, oh yeah, it's another incredible issue and at the end of the last issue um he was pretty much I mean he's got, you know, just hours left until the poison until the poison kills him. And this issue ends up with Ice uh or starts out with Ice visiting his bedside and and he's passed. So we've just got her narration and and First, I thought it was a flashback, but then kind of her just moving on in the days after his death and revealing a little more of the story. And and oh, man, it's so good. And it's, the conversation between her and Fire is it's just excellent because they're best friends. And earlier in the series, I thought maybe is, is there some kind of, you know. More than friends, relationship with them going on, like you know, a lot you of just,
0: you just want it to be that way,
1: right? <laughs> like a lot of neo noir. Yeah, there's you know some some behind. There's two femme fatales maybe, yeah. and it's just an excellent build because it's over a period of like day twenty two, you know, day nineteen, yeah, we, day twenty two.
0: Kind of follow her through the grieving process, and I really like that we, I really like that we revisit kind of all of the characters that we've met. You know we met with throughout the series how each issue there's kind of been interactions with different characters yeah so now that you know we're on the other side and um chance has passed and ice is just grieving it's nice to get kind of those revisit moments and and touch back to different parts through the series in a really meaningful way
1: um, yeah yeah and then and the fact that she's still so multifaceted and, and no that's not an ice prism joke because there's a scene in here where she's talking with john jones on martian manhunter and he brings up to her that uh there's gonna be he's gonna, he's be gonna lead leading, the
0: investigation
1: yeah he's gonna lead an investigation into her involvement with all this and the way she shuts him down and and subtly threatens him all in the context of her being like the nice one and everybody thinks she's you know nice and and non-threatening and the way she threatens him it is so good and it's just all in dialogues and a subtle thing in the background and it's she, perfect like, and yeah. she's
0: right too right yeah. like he he he's saying she's not fit to lead the investigation and she's like you're you're not you had this relationship with fire that wasn't disclosed and uh you know a couple of other things that he shouldn't have done and it's just like oh she's the one investigating it's not it's not him it's not batman it's it's her which obviously leads to the really satisfying you know conclusion of the book with you know basically right she's she's trying to figure out what to do how to move on um it's nice that to find out that that it is that she does actually love chance right like yeah. despite being fulfilling that femme fatale road, le- role that she actually there's actually the romance there there's still a tragedy involved but the romance is is true there wasn't necessarily a setup she didn't do it on purpose. It was a true accident. And so their whole romance, because this, this whole series, man, was like, it was sexy, tense. Like, they just yeah. executed that so well throughout this book that it all meant something still. So all of those feelings of um love and sexual tension that they had building up all the way through um, had real meaning. And so she fulfills, I mean, then we get a flashback of talking with Chance and kind of what she should do. And it basically seems like they plan a way to kill lex Luthor, and that's that's the way it goes out with her meeting with lex Luthor and him drinking the drink that was originally meant for him that we could only assume is now you know going to be the end of lex luther in this black label pocket universe that tom king built here
1: yeah yeah i love that i because yeah throughout the series you were never quite sure if her feelings for chance are real or not and and he did that king did that so perfectly because in this issue we find out yes they were real yes she's gonna tr- and and i didn't even suspect that yes she would try again to poison luther successfully and christopher chance helped her plan that part <laughs> uh you know, it was a big it, it was a surprise to me
0: yeah and, this was a perfect comic like i i told django i saw him earlier for a brief minute i was like i don't i don't know how i'm going to even say anything other than just this is a perfect comic to what was basically a perfect series yeah. and i know the guys have talked many times and i think that there's a point to it where like the you know the penultimate issue like the 11th issue is usually where everything is revealed and it's kind of you know the criticism lobbed at tom king is that he can't quite wrap up a series in a In a way that everybody completely loves but this was this was amazing like the 10 and 11 kind of did all of that um conclusion to the story and this was just an absolutely perfect epilogue that was it was a 10 out of 10 for me and i i cannot wait to buy this in an absolute edition someday that i you know dc please come on just do (laughs) give us a tom king absolute (laughs) but this is a freaking incredible book and it's up there very quickly in the ranks of mr miracle and some of uh tom king's best in my opinion
1: yeah yeah i agree i i think i'd put this i think this and rorschach yeah maybe are my favorite tom king books though you know ask me in a couple hours i might have a different answer
0: <laughs> <laughs> to <But, laughs> right, think about all the other series like, oh i really yeah. like that one too oh. and
1: i and i hope when they collect it i mean it'd be hard to pick a cover i mean they'll probably couple something something new but uh, yeah. if they used one of the covers for the collection i don't know i mean this cover of issue uh issue 12 here the a cover is just gorgeous it's just a painting of uh the human target half shadowed with a yellow yellow light background holding a smoking gun and it's just it's just beautiful
0: yeah and i won't belabor this book any more than i have to but i did i feel it is criminal that i didn't that we didn't say anything about just how freaking incredible Greg smallwood oh yeah in capturing all of these moments, all of these expressions. And I just love seeing this bottle being smashed over Guy Gardner's head and how uh, satisfied she looks with that, too.
1: Yeah, and he draws a perfect Guy Gardner. And just his face, I mean, he just... It's kind
0: of like a Dennis looks, the Menace quality yeah, to it. Yeah.
1: yeah, yeah. And kind of a dope. And <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, I definitely give this this one a 10. I wanted, to, I wanted to give it a 12 because it's issue 12, but we'll stick to our 10s. I think
0: you could give it a 12. Does it have to go on the website if you give it a 12? How does I, don't, I don't know
1: i don't i don't know i don't know if andrew tracks that or Jaygo tracks. who knows
0: you know you can give it a 10 i'm gonna give it a 12 roman because you know well, what i'm a i'm a guest go. on this podcast so what's the worst that's gonna happen I don't you get can to do it, it anything again. you want <laughs> i'm gonna give it a 12 yes um, do, it, do it you know who else i'd really love to meet at, uh, a con bruce campbell bruce campbell <laughs> Give me some sugar, baby. Sergeant Rock versus the Army of the Dead. I know everybody listening to this has been dying to hear <laughs> our thoughts on Sergeant Rock versus the Army of the Dead, which just concluded number six that came yes. out. Did you did you read I, it, Roman?
1: Oh, yeah. Final issue of this series. You bet I read it. I mean, God, this this is another fantastic cover. Um, the covers of this series have been just fantastic. But it's a zombie Hitler with a looks like a sword strapped to his right, back, but he's yeah. standing
0: I he's, think he's being stabbed in the neck with a knife. I think that's oh, what it that's is. Oh, that's
1: right. He does get stabbed. Yeah, Rock does get him in the neck. But he's looming over Rock on the ground, and Rock's... He's, he's pulled the pin, the oh, the pin of the gonna grenade. What's going to happen next? Oh, my God.
0: Spoiler alert. He shoves that grenade in hit zombie <laughs> Hitler's mouth and wraps a bandana or scarf around it and then uh kicks him down (laughs) like an elevator shaft or something yeah (laughs) um i was fallen i've had fallen behind on this series by a couple of issues so you know being able to talk to you about this podcast and force everybody to to listen to us gush about bruce campbell (laughs) for a few minutes i was very excited to catch up and read through this and uh it was a heck of a lot of fun
1: it was it was the um it's funny i but i think i've been saying to sean because he's been reading this um Throughout previous issues, I've been I've been kind of wishing it would be a little more I don't know a little more kind of Bruce Campbellian over the top. Mm-hmm. But really, when you think about it, I mean, it is over the top. I mean, it's it's Nazi soldiers being turned into kind of zombies. I mean, they're not tech, exactly zombies, I think, but pretty you know pretty close. Yeah, but they're fast zombies um, and rock it and. Was-
0: It was filled with a lot of one liners this issue, and the like five and six were filled with a ton of Bruce Campbell one liners.
1: Yeah, this series is really wrapped up well. And and I keep on wishing that I wish we could see this someday as a movie.
0: That's a hundred (laughs) percent what I was thinking when I was reading this it's like it's kind of a dumb popcorn, like B movie, which is exactly the type of movie that Bruce Campbell would be starring in. Like, give me this movie, it doesn't need a budget. Put Sam Raimi on it if he can, but whatever. And put Bruce in in the role. I don't care if he's getting a little bit older. He can still do it. And uh, (laughs) this would just be a fun, stupid B-movie because it was ridiculous and a lot of fun. That's that's exactly what it was. There was nothing more to it. Yeah, and he
1: could do it. I mean, yeah, audiences might be wondering, well, how could this, like, how old is he? 50, late 50s? I think he's,
0: yeah, probably in the (laughs) 60 range at this point.
1: Yeah, how come the 60-year-old dude is, like, playing a sergeant in world war, <laughs> war ii don't
0: and worry about it kid make it all the better um yeah. and the art i think is shockingly good in this series too oh yeah um, very good very detailed it's uh eduardo riso <laughs> i'm not sure what other books if i've seen him anywhere before but uh he just did a fantastic job capturing the grotesque the needle being shoved into zombie hitler's eye and him kind of turning yeah. into. yeah
1: that, uh, th- that was one of the things that was one the things i was like oh the classic uh which they used to call those uh, before the comics code, the, the needle to the eye cover. And he, so he, he did that homage in here. I loved it. And yeah, Riso, he's done a lot of, I think he got his start in horror comics. So he's, that's kind of his specialty is, is horrible images of which this series has plenty.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean I there's not a lot to say, I, I guess about the writing other than you can tell, like I don't think it was overtly bad or anything like that, but it was pretty fun and it was, you know, relatively shallow, but that's all that it really needs to be to just be this fun comic that it was.
1: And plenty of great I mean, great moments in this uh, like the way Rock at one time point zombie Hitler locks him in a room and and uh tries to gas him in the way the way Rock uh survives that and escapes the room is is wonderful
0: and and maybe django would enjoy this uh a la indiana jones uh rock uh survives an explosion hiding in like a locker similar to indiana jones Mm -hmm. hiding in a refrigerator to escape an atomic explosion Um, both of those things are totally logical and would work without any any issue I really actually wanted, so the two, two last thoughts I have is that it does seem like maybe there's a chance that this continues as a future series at some point, because it kind of yeah. ends with this, with Rock getting a, you know, a dossier of some kind for a division of anomala, anomalous phenomena, and it says the beginning, as if maybe we've got more to look forward in the future, or just leaves that, you know, patented 80s style, like, let's leave a question mark for the future. But I did wish we got a little bit of Bruce Campbell flirting with a nurse, maybe. Uh, oh, to
1: <laughs> yeah, that's what. Yeah, yeah, that's what I expected, and yeah, I like that ending too because it's because there's so many you know stories you could tell with Rock. I mean, at the end of the war, right after the war, and I was thinking, oh, this kind of thing, maybe he'll team up with the Creature Commandos at some point in the future that would be cool that'd
0: be fun I'm gonna give it a solid 8.0 and I think that's what I would give the series probably as well
1: oh yeah yeah I think I'd give the the entire series an 8.0 maybe an 8.5 this yeah. is this particular issue this this might have been my favorite issue yeah I'm gonna, gu- I'm gonna give it a, yeah I'm gonna give this issue a nine
0: mm, I knew I'm it gonna, was oh,
1: I'm sorry. gonna go up
0: I'm gonna go up to yeah. I'm gonna go up to a nine on this issue as well in the series an 8.0 Agreed. Right. Yeah,
1: it, it was just fun to see uh, one of the classic DC, one of the classic actually w- comic war hero heroes just killing Hitler over the space of <laughs> almost an entire <laughs> issue.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean it's kind of uh, inglorious bastards, but you know, yeah. with the zombie with the zombie twist on it, just a little bit. Uh, where do you where do you wanna I'm sure people are like done with us talking about uh, Sergeant Rock versus the Army of the Dead. Where do you wanna meander over to next, Roman?
1: Let's see, how about
0: I'm curious, did you read the uh, Hallows Eve number one? I did read Hallows Eve. I'm actually pretty excited to talk about this one because oh, okay. I have I have not been reading the current run of Spider-Man and mm-hmm. I know nothing about this character. I think I read a little bit of the Beyond series and that's about as far as I got, but it seems like this spun a little bit out of the Beyond series and Hallow's Eve seems like I read, I read a little bit of the back matter where they talked about bringing this character back from who was the writer who did it before. I'm not going to stumble through this here. Oh, um, J.M. DeMatteis. Yeah. Yeah. uh, I think think he introduced her. Yeah. That's what, that's what I read in the back that he introduced this character and they thought, Hey, let's bring her back to play. So, is there anything about this character that you feel like I should have known going into reading this? No, they
1: filled it, They filled in her backstory pretty well. And up until recently, until the, um, uh, geez, what was it called? The Inferno crossover that just ended in the Spider books mm-hmm. and, and X-Men. Um, up until then, she'd never had any kind of superpowers before. She wasn't a costume character at all. She was, uh, forgot his name. Uh, Scarlet ben, Spider, Ben Riley, yeah, Ben Riley. Thank you. He was Ben Riley's partner.
0: She's supposed to be like kind of the Mary Jane to to Ben Riley. Yeah. Um, but I assume she's not a clone. Also, nope, she's not a clone. Just a um, redhead that kind of looks yeah. a little bit like Mary Jane. Yeah,
1: yeah, just another you know beautiful Marvel redhead.
0: Well, coming in kind of completely blind, I I enjoyed this book probably quite a bit. You know, we're following, what what is her actual name again? I've always known her as Janine. I don't know if that's actually... Janine, that sounds right to me. Yeah, Janine, Mary Jane analog. And she's got this like bag of infinite masks and she takes a mask out and she puts it on and it transforms her entire look and potentially gives her power so you know the first one she puts on like a Marilyn Monroe mask and moves on and later we see her put on a ghost mask and she's able to you know go through walls and she tries to rob a bank but she can't rob the bank because she she can go through walls so she can't hold on to the money so she has to take the mask yeah. off gets spotted on the camera security guard comes she puts on a werewolf mask turns into a werewolf and attacks her uh, attacks the security guard and then we've got this other who's this pink-haired lady who at the Beyond Corp. Oh, She's
1: That's, the uh she she runs, owns and runs the Beyond Corporation and she's she's a real nasty piece of work. She's basically the um not not hasn't been used as extensively, but she's basically the Lex Luthor of of Marvel.
0: Okay. Is the Beyond Corporation just supposed to be the Luther uh corporation? Well on, for a, smaller Marvel? Yeah, a, on small a smaller
1: scale. Yeah, on a smaller scale. I mean she doesn't have the they don't have the influence yet, but She definitely wants to. Um and her name's Maxine. Yeah. Janine and Maxine. Janine's the good guy. Maxine's the bad guy.
0: (laughs) So basically, right, the kind of the conceit, she's robbing the bank. Like she doesn't seem like she's a she's not a villain. Um, but she's robbing the bank because she needs money and she's kind of on the run because of everything that happened in whatever the previous storyline was. And um, she's trying to hole up until Ben Riley gets out of prison or wherever he is, and so she robs the bank. She turns into the werewolf and finds out she creates a little bit of a mess because when she attacked the security guard and bit him um, but then left him, he has now turned into a werewolf and is on the loose, and that's kind of where the issue ends is she sees the the mess that she kind of created, and she has to go do that while Maxine also um, got a little bit of a sample of her wolf hair. What's she going to do with that Roman?
1: I know this is, it's quite a twist because this is such an, her powers are so new. Uh, Didn't know she could turn someone permanently like affect them, uh, turn them into a werewolf or whatever she becomes. So it's like, wow. So her stuff doesn't just fade away when she takes off the mask. Yeah. Yeah, That's interesting. And yeah, Maxine and, and and yeah, Janine, she's trying to build up a nest egg because she hopes to rescue Ben Riley. is the end of the dark web. Crossovers finale, he is trapped in limbo, uh, as ruled by um Madeline Pryor, and Janine thinks she can somehow rescue him. Even though at the end of that, he was like, "No, no, leave me here. This is this is the only way you can escape and and be safe." So, doesn't necessarily want to be rescued, but she's going to do it somehow.
0: Well, I don't think I have a whole lot more to say about this book. I I will say it was written by Erica Schultz and art was from Michael Dowling. And I don't think I'm super familiar with either one of these. So the fact that this book, I haven't been reading the Spider-Man book, in my opinion, it kind of has a little bit going against it because it's called Hallow's Eve. And it makes me think like, what's a Halloween book doing coming out in March? Because that's just what I thought it was when I first saw it. I'm not familiar with the creative team. And then to open the book up, not feel totally lost. And then it was pretty fun. The art was very respectable. It was a very solid comic. I was, I was kind of blown away by, it. you know, I didn't necessarily have any expectations one way or the other for it, but all those things in my mind were going against it. I would have never picked it up off of the shelf if we weren't going to be talking about it today. And I'd say it's to me, it was a solid like 8.5.
1: Cool. Cool. Glad you enjoyed it so much. Um, I thought it was pretty good too. There's I agree about, I mean, <laughs> About her name, I kind of wish they'd come up with a better... I mean, it fits in the context of her origin during Dark Web, but yeah, it is kind of... (laughs) could be confusing for a completely new reader that isn't familiar with that character or that series. I do think that uh, out of all of Dark Web, Hallow's Eve is the best thing to come out of it. I mean, she's got a cool costume. She's got cool, fun powers. The gimmick with the mask, I think, is, is a lot of fun. Including eventually, there'll be a storyline where somebody steals her bag of masks, and then what she and then what she's going to do?
0: She's got to be a human to save the day. She has to be a person before a hero. Yeah,
1: and I, and I, and there's a lot of versatility. I mean, this is the first time we've seen her use a werewolf mask, and I love werewolves, so I, I was thrilled when she turned into a werewolf. Right,
0: she's got like kind of like the universal monsters bag of masks here on the cover. Yeah. It's like Frankenstein and the Mummy and Dracula and, and like the Devil. And I don't know who that last one's supposed to be. Some sort of ghoul, I would suppose, had left me. Oh, and there's the there's the werewolf mask right there too.
1: I wonder if um, she be if she puts on the devil mask, does she become Mephisto?
0: Maybe, maybe, maybe that's how they finally get Mephisto into the uh, MCU. We've all been <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. Try. I'll give this I'll give this an eight.
0: Nice, but yeah. I gave it that extra bump just because it kind of exceeded expectations on all fronts, and thought it was a lot of fun, and made me interested. to... Potentially read some more or check it out when you know, find out some more about this character. So, yeah, let's 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 dip over to image for a second. Did you read The Phantom Road by I did Jeffrey Lemire and uh, art by Gabriel H. Walta and then uh, colors, I think, is by Jordy Belair.
1: Yes, yes, to all that, and yes, I did.
0: So, Lemire to me is one of those, he's probably in my top five writers, but he just he crosses over the threshold from the writer that I would read everything that they would write, like a, a Tom King or an Ed Brubaker. To me, like I'll read everything those guys write. And Jeff Lemire is just on the other side of that, where I hmm. feel very comfortable skipping randomly Lemire books. But then the ones that I read, I absolutely love. You know, May's book was incredible. I love Gideon Falls. There's Sweet Tooth. And there's probably a million other things of Lemires that I've read. But there's so many things that I easily go like, eh, I'm just not feeling it right now. Um, Are you a pretty religious Jeff Lemire reader or is it similar?
1: No, it's similar. It's similar um, because there's some things like I didn't care for, I like read one issue of, I think it was his green arrow series. I was like,
0: meh,
1: (laughs) I don't care about this. So yeah, there's been some stuff of his I've skipped and some stuff that I was
0: like, meh, that was all right. I mean, I love his black hammer stuff.
1: Oh that's yeah my, black Hammer, that's my favorite of, of his
0: yeah um so what did you think of this versus kind of what you'd come to expect from Jeff Lemire for an issue number one it was good I mean it's it's
1: an intriguing story I I, I couldn't help even though especially at the end I kind of felt like well I'm already watching the last of us um, <laughs> <laughs> so but I'll still read the next one just because I, I like these characters I, I like the art um this world the main character he's a he's a long haul trucker and there's this first issue is just about him on the
0: road you see a little bit of a flashback to him as a child and his dad not being present and now he's yeah. kind of a long haul trucker which his dad seems to be too and
1: yeah yeah and there's some mystery out there i don't we don't know yet what exactly is going on in this world if it's he encounters this bean and I, we don't know if it's a disfigured human or if it's an alien or what the deal is but uh
0: right like he's driving down the road at night um you know we get some different flashbacks and he gets some time at a diner and there's a guy that kind of looks like ronald reagan or something like that. They he's in a bathroom i don't know what's going on with that but yeah he stops uh in the middle of the road in the middle of the night and there's a car flipped over and a right a girl there that's kind of in shock and there's something in the middle of the road there i cannot tell what the heck that thing is and she's talking about how she touched it and then he goes over and touches it and now all of a sudden we're in this kind of color washed like I don't know what happened like they transported to an alternate dimension in the exact same place that they're in where everything is kind kind of color washed <laughs> yeah and right and then yeah. there's like a kind of a wrinkled naked person looking guy standing out in the middle of the desert there and
1: yeah it, it is all very mysterious Cause before he touches it and it's night
0: <laughs> yeah. and there's,
1: there's some, you know, trees and things the, and on the side of the road and
0: yeah, touches where it. The heck they are. Yeah. And now this guy, this is like kind of some sort of zombie ish, you know, creature looking thing that, you know, he gets in a fight with and then runs back to the truck and there's a bunch more chasing after them and they just keep getting followed. And he has to just stop and bust out his crowbar. There one page i'm missing here right where he we basically it ends with him having beat like 10 15 of these to a bloody pulp and that's the end of the first book
1: yeah and now he's you know with this woman he met on the way and that's how he first at nighttime before he touches whatever that object is which at first i thought was i thought it was a mass of meat and there was ribs sticking out of it and everything but it, it may be some not organic at all it's hard to tell it might just be some yeah melted metal and stuff i don't know
0: (laughs) i would say in a lot of ways this is kind of exactly what i've come to expect out of jeff lemire for better or for worse it was a very quick and easy read and somehow like it feels like a lot of things happened and not very many things happened i'm really excited to read more of this story but i also now know like this to me is kind of more of a gideon falls type of a story than a you know, a a sweet tooth or a maze book type story, at least it seems. I'm sure there will be an emotional journey in here somewhere, but this seems more of a high concept. You know, there's something crazy going on here. So strap in and enjoy the ride. And to me, those always read so much better in like a trade paperback form because I think I could read this issue in like five minutes. And so it's over so fast. And then you're like, well, what really happened? Whereas like, just give me this in a trade, which they've been doing a lot lately, right? There's a ad in the back page here for... Ten Thousand Black Feathers, Volume One, um, and I think I like Jeff Lemire's stuff a little bit more when I can just read the full thing at once, or even just read a bigger arc of it at once because it's over so quick.
1: Yeah, yeah, I think I, I think I agree with that because yeah, this was over very, very quickly. I actually did go back and make sure I hadn't skipped a page or two, <laughs> um, and I am really curious about the guy if that's supposed to be Reagan because it sure looks like it's got Reagan's hair, right? <laughs> And if that guy is just some character he had a brief interaction with, or if this guy's going to show up again, because you get vibes like, oh, he's like the ice cream man of this book. Maybe he'll come back.
0: Yeah, there's there's a lot of things kind of going on, and there's like only one or two pages spent on certain things that you know are going to come back to. And I have tons of faith and confidence that that's going to happen. But you kind of need those extra issues, I think, as context to be able to get there. Um, but I, you know, still fun. I'm excited to read more, but I'm probably going to sit on the rest of it until till the whole thing right. the whole thing comes out in trade, and then I'll, I'll probably I will probably enjoy it a lot. But I just don't know until I get there. And I think I'll have a hard time keeping up with you know the issues that seem like they go by so quickly that I'm just trying to pace it backwards and figure out what happened in the last one, and then all of a sudden the next one's over again so fast. Yeah, yeah.
1: Do you? Think- what would you give it? Oh, go ahead. I was going to say, do you think they're aliens, or do you think uh, they're just regular humans that have been messed up and transfigured somehow?
0: Hmm. I'm going to go of... with some kind of uh, trans, more transfigured human type thing. All right, all right. Is that what you think? Or do you think aliens?
1: I don't know. I mean, because of the reality shift or whatever, I'm thinking more sci-fi, and they kind of look like greys, but no, that seems too... Too uh, obvious and cliched for Jeff Lemire to do.
0: Yeah. They seem like dehydrated <laughs> and shriveled up. Like they've yeah. just been out in the sun for way, way too long.
1: That's that's what this is. They're just like in the middle of know, Utah or something somewhere. And this is what happens to you when you're stuck in Utah without water for a week.
0: Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. All right. What's your score on that? We can keep going, oh. I think. Oh, we go to 7.5. 7.5? I think I would agree with that. I think I'd go 7.5, like, all the, all the touchings are there for it to be amazing, and I could totally come back to this and read it in a full run and be like, this is a nine or even higher mm. for me, but, like, there's just not enough to make me want to read the next issue right now, that makes yeah. sense. So, I had 7.5 is, I'm on, I'm on the same page. I think we're going to be in a lot of agreement on, on a lot of books. Or I'm just going to, it's a safe bet for me to uh, just give the same score that you gave. And I feel good about (laughs) the scores I gave. Can you tell me what is is the dawn of DC? Um, I read Action Comics number 1052, um, but I have not been reading Action Comics. And I've been keeping up with almost no continuity DC stuff, (laughs) aside from Batman and Nightwing. What the heck is the dawn of DC? And why should I be excited about it?
1: Well, Dawn of DC is kind of just the um, the banner name. They're given their overall slightly new direction of not really a reboot. It's, it's not like uh, New 52, but kind of a new direction overall for DC books. And there is no Dawn of DC, as far as I know, there's not going to be a Dawn of DC number one or anything. It's just a company-wide mandate.
0: It seems like there's a lot of focus on the youngins, all of the younger yeah. heroes kind of being moved up, right? Nightwing is gonna lead the Justice League, but it's not actually gonna be the Justice League. Like the Titans are gonna kinda take the spot of the Justice League and the Justice League's gonna go on the back burner to some degree for a while and trying to push all of the younger heroes to the forefront if they if they can, which I think is something they probably tried to do before. Yeah you know, to, to maybe mixed results. And now uh, let's do it again. But I think they have a great um, group of characters to bring in. But of course this one focuses a lot on Superman coming back from um, he's now what been back from war world, which I read none of that. And it begins with him fighting Metallo sending him to space and some of the fallout from that. Do you want to, you want to talk about anything else that happened in this book? I hope, you know, I hope this, This
1: direction so far I'm not totally, totally, and it was fine. I'm not totally into it. I think there's a little, it just feels like there's a little too much like boom, all of a sudden the Superman family is very much expanded. There's these two, I think I said this on the last pod, whatever last podcast when we talked about these two new characters that Superman's kind of and Lois have kind of unofficially adopted their refugees oh, yeah, from yeah you
0: mentioned like how you know uh, uh, reed and sue had just had the same thing happen yeah both fantastic ben, four yeah ben and alicia oh right right yeah yeah
1: and now clark and lois are doing it And the, and the one interesting thing out of that i think is that you know how does that make their actual son feel mm-hmm. <laughs> that all of a sudden his dad has been gone for what a year shows up with two new kids <laughs> that are younger than him so you know His parents are going to get to see these kids grow up like they didn't get to see their own son.
0: Was John Kent in this issue at Um, all? There's all of these characters in here, and since the character models have changed a lot, I couldn't tell if one, and I don't think they even use names, but I couldn't even tell if this was supposed to be John Kent or somebody else, because I'm glad you said something like the, all of a sudden, you know, there's a super family I was like, what did I miss? I mean, I had been reading like Superman, Son of Kal-El. So I kind of was at least paying attention to what was going on with John Kent. But it's a little weird. Um, but I've seen the same thing happen with like Batman. I'm reading the mainline Batman book. And then I read uh, Detective Comics and all this stuff's happening with the Bat family. And then you're reading Batman and there's none of that's happening. So I wasn't sure if it was just me and I wasn't up on Superman. But it was totally weird to like, there's like f- 10 people in Superman's house. And they're like, oh, <laughs> look, here's the super family
1: yeah yeah and you know i get it like when i was a kid you know 70s and 80s there was these at that time dollar size 100 page giant comics that were of series that were batman family and the superman family so i want i understand i'm wanting to kind of recapture some of that idea mm-hmm. but but yeah the two new kid refugee war world refugees and um steel and his i think daughter or is it his niece who's also called steel, um, <laughs> they're both hanging not out convenient. which but yeah they've been friends with clark and lois but they haven't really hung out with them until boom all of a sudden now they're like you know two peas in a pod all hanging <laughs> out together and doing dinners and stuff it's like wow that's okay and connor Kant is back and he's one of them here i think i think john is in this group at their house but i'm not sure because the art is okay but it's good in the action sequences but wow. in the hanging around hanging around in clark and lois's living room it's it's tough because, yeah, I can't tell who some of these characters are supposed yeah. to be. Well, and,
0: and John's character model in a lot of the other runs right now is 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 different. Like, his hair is different. Yeah. And, you know, he's kind of figuring out who he is as a person. And his sexuality and everything else has been, I wouldn't say a focal point, but it's been happening in the background. And it's kind of got a, a, a completely different hairstyle. And this whoever this is in this book is, you know, he just basically looks like Superman, but a little bit smaller.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I didn't make that. And yeah, you know, I was fine with Superman, John Kent, uh, Supergirl, Crypto, maybe Connor Kent occasionally. That, you know, that's enough for me for the Superman family. Steel can, the steels can show up every now and then. Well, it
0: seems like that there's something going on with Metallo and um, he's being manipulated. I don't know a whole lot about Metallo, um, but it seems like he thinks that he's working for Lex Luthor. But now on the other side, we see like, well, Lex Luthor has been locked up in jail this whole time and supposedly supposedly is not manipulating him. Um, So maybe there's somebody else in the background manipulating him or it's just still Lex Luthor because. Oh yeah.
1: It's Luther, like, just manipulating everything. <laughs> Cause it's never not
0: Lex Luthor. It's like, yeah. Oh, somebody's trying to fight with Superman right now. Ah, uh, Let me guess Lex Luthor. And then who's this guy that shows up. It says several years ago and we're f- seeing this seeing oh. this guy going and it looks like he's maybe like a doomsday person of some kind.
1: Oh yeah. And then the second story,
0: they even said
1: his name at some point. Was I, like a,
0: a doom, yeah. like a doombringer or yeah. At
1: the end of it, he shows up at Lois's house. Uh, super, cause this story is, you know, the old, we'll try not to get too confusing for people. This, cause this middle story is about Clark and Lois who are the Clark and Lois from pre- new 52 dc and they were brought over into new 52 dc retroactively and replaced new 52 superman <laughs> but before that happened uh i just went kind of... outside <laughs> yeah <laughs> before that happened i think before that happened they were living in secret out on this this house and somewhere out in the sticks and so that's where this story is set and, and that's where john came from because he is their son, um, but I don't remember Doombreaker. This guy pitches a ride and shows up at Lowe's doorstep, and yeah, he's got bony protuberances like Doomsday, and she calls him Doombreaker. Oh, she calls him Lloyd and Doombreaker. It's like okay, well, and I meant to look it up because I'm like, who the hell's Lloyd Doombreaker? I <laughs> I don't remember this guy at all. Um, and
0: there's I oh yeah. Him- I had convinced myself that this several years ago page was still part of the previous story, so I was oh. like, "Why did they like s- string this between two separate stories?" But no, I'm looking at it it, again. It's totally, totally it is, wrong. But Yeah, it is a
1: rough transition, and I'm always like, and "Of course, this is up to the to the uh, people who lay out the comics." I don't think, but yeah, because
0: um... they don't do the credits for that issue until the following page. So yeah. So if you're not paying close attention, you're just like, oh, several years ago and we're seeing this guy sweaty getting into a truck. Yeah. And then it seems like it starts a completely different story because it's completely different characters on the page. And, you know, you're following that. And then it circles back only at the very end of this story to this Doombreaker thing.
1: Right. Yeah. Yeah. And the only way, you know, they should have put an ad in between the end of the Metallo story and this Doombreaker story because there's no there's no break. And they always put ads in like the worst spots, and then they don't put ads someplace where it makes sense.
0: <laughs> Very confusing. Very confusing. Because yeah,
1: the Metallo story—it's there's there's a little next unmade, and that means next issue, but they didn't make that clear.
0: <laughs> um, did you read the last story in this at all with the uh, Power Girl and Supergirl and all the rest of it?
1: You know, I did because I read the first part of it in the previous issue, um, and I like the characters. I don't necessarily like the story. Um, but I do like the fact that, you know, because of the the Promethean rain and that crossover, um planet Prometheus or whatever it was. I don't called, know
0: what any of that um, means, but I'm just here for it. So
1: there, there, there was because of yeah, because of the Batman versus Robin storyline, Mark Wade, there was a crossover. Uh a volcano of um of Lazarus pit juice exploded and there was a brief reign of lazarus reign all over the world and it's giving people powers it's taken away powers it's altered power girls powers so now she has some uh, telepathic stuff going on that the redhead here is helping her
0: was that kind of meant to help trigger in some of the dawn of dc stuff almost just kind of a a reset of things but not having to do a full reset
1: it it, yeah it ties into it it it, i think it's it's part of it's facilitating dawn of DC with some characters like, and they've done this. So, I mean, you could say they've done this with a lot of characters, but power girls, one of the ones where especially they've altered her, given her new powers, given her new origins. So, so many times at one point, you know, she turned out to be not Kryptonian, but she was a descendant of Arion, mage of Atlantis, which was a eighties series from DC. And, but then they retcon that and, so they're doing that again with Power Girl. Um, the thing I like the most about, about this story is her and Supergirl have some conflicted emotions about each other because, you know, originally Power Girl was just the Earth 2 Supergirl. Um, but in this issue, Power Girl brings up the fact that, you know, the Superman family, how come you guys always just ignore me? I mean, I'm, I guess she is Kryptonian again, um, but, but from a different dimension or Earth, whatever originally um but you guys all ignore me you don't invite me into any of your get-togethers i mean i'm you know i'm kryptonian too i'm pretty much just like you are just a little older i think so that had some good dynamics i liked those conversations the actual overall story i'm like yeah meh whatever it's,
0: it's kind it's, of was <laughs> for me as well it was like um i think i read the first bit of it and then i was like okay like i want to see how this ends but i also don't want to read it so i'm going to it and. <laughs> I do like that it basically she is he she broke super a super girl, right? Who couldn't speak. She yeah. broke her she broke her out of it by basically like what? Just annoying her inside her mind until she broke or some something yeah. like that that broke was
1: broke some metal block or whatever. Yeah.
0: Finally got her out of it. Um And then it was like, to be continued. And I was like, what are you going to continue? There's nothing going on here. Um, (laughs) So this whole book, there was a lot of comic in this book for $5. What do you give this? uh, Action Comics, number 1052. What is this by? Philip Kennedy Johnson, I'm guessing. Um, And then some backup stories. I think Dan Jurgens and uh, Joshua Williams, maybe. Um, yeah i forget
1: who writes the power girl super leo williams
0: Leah williams oh love the work love the work
1: <laughs> yeah yeah I, I wonder what jeff thinks of this story once he eventually reads it
0: he'll never read it <laughs> he doesn't he doesn't read backup. Uh, oh that's backup right to yeah backups
1: <laughs> boy i think i would give this whole thing i do like metallo um probably because he's one of the first superman villains i read in a storyline when i was a kid Boy, I think I'll give the whole issue a six, maybe a 6.5 because of Metallo.
0: If I was only rating the first story, I think maybe like a 7.5, but like the entire thing together, um, you know, I just didn't really care by the end of it. And for, you know, I get frustrated buying a $5 comic and then not wanting to read half of it because I just don't <laughs> care. Yeah, I think I'm at like a, I think I'm at a six on it it's it doesn't do a lot whole lot for me to get me excited to to want to read more than this but i still am excited about a lot of things that are coming in this dawn of dc uh you know give tom taylor as many books as they want to give him because he's fantastic yeah yeah um sorry go ahead oh no i was just
1: gonna say i i want to see a a, uh a team up at least a team up i don't know issue with john kent and connor kent just because i want to see the the young Superman doing stuff
0: <laughs> the super sons yeah um we should probably speed this thing along and get through some of these other ones relatively quick do you want to uh do like a mini like kind of group buckshot of some sure. kind since we read some of these and didn't read some of these right. um do you want to go through cosmic ghost rider like blazing fast <laughs> blazing fast you blazing bet fast. kind of have to with cosmic ghost rider um so, this is written by Stephanie Phillips, art by Juan Cabal. And I'm a big Cosmic Ghostwriter fan just from Donnie Cates' run alone. And then everything since then, I've kind of just been like, are they just trying to do Deadpool uh, in <laughs> space? I don't want that. Um, I don't know what it was that Donnie Cates walked the line with with Cosmic Ghost Rider that struck the right chord where I didn't feel like he was just space Deadpool. Um, but I did still feel like the humanity of Frank Castle a little bit in there while also just being completely crazy and insane and a lot of fun. And this is the closest I think that gets to that since um, Donny Cates created the character. What do you think?
1: Yeah, I agree. Um, It's gotten pretty... I, I wasn't quite sure if I'd read this, but I do like Cosmic Ghost Rider, and this surprised me. It was better than I expected, which was nice, and now I'm trying to find... Uh, so... Dang it. The bounty hunter that shows up here looking at the cosmic ghost writer. At first, I thought he was a new character. But um, if I remember correctly, he's appeared like in a Marvel series back in the 70s, like in Marvel premiere or something. And I can't find his name now. But um, I don't think he is a new character. He's, he's been around for a while. We just haven't seen him in like 40 years
0: he looked a lot like a character i've seen in like the mandalorian or something like that or boba fett uh, the book of boba fett one of those shows he looked like a a character out of a star wars universe yeah Um, he does and i did just like seeing the frank castle trying to be frank castle and not be cosmic ghost rider anymore and kind of getting pulled back into it you try to get out and they pull you right back in Um,
1: yeah i like the fact that uh because for a second it's all until you until I remembered it's always a little jarring I was like well this doesn't frown, sound like Frank Castle he doesn't have a sense of humor but then I love the device that he went nuts being the herald galactus or whichever Thousands thing happened in years, his timeline. And yeah yeah and it it so it made him lighten up
0: <laughs> well and there's just like a super cool little backup story in the in in the back of the issue as well which I think is still from Stephanie Phillips that's just Frank having you know not being cosmic ghostwriter and having kind of these weird visions of his family as a zombie and flashbacks of fighting um you know all these galactic people that he probably fought along the way as in his time as a cosmic ghostwriter it was just like a nice little backup story actually that kind of just added a little bit more depth to the character while not altering too far away um i thought this was a lot of fun and it makes me want to read more cosmic ghostwriters Again. Um, so Stephanie Phillips, great, great job. What would you give this one, Roman?
1: Yeah, I agree. Um, I give this one an eight. Oh, there it is. Uh, part one of the things I give it an eight for is the return of the bounty hunter monarch star stalker. <laughs>
0: <laughs> monarch Star Stalker. I give this an 8.5. I liked it a lot. I'm gonna probably read more of this one. Did you read Rogue and Gambit?
1: I did not, but but I, I'd love to hear about it.
0: I thought Oh, Roman's going to read Rogue and Gambit. He reads all the X-Men books. Uh, oh, no I, doubt he's going to read Rogue and Gambit. And I, missed I don't out read on all the X-Men books. Oh, I thought you did. No, there's there's so many of them. I just I can't. So many <laughs> um, I know Kelly Thompson had a, a, uh, a Rogue and Gambit one. It was like Mr. and Mrs. X or whatever it was that a lot of people huh. liked. Not too, you know, a couple years ago. So I thought maybe we would get the same. And this is also written by Stephanie Phillips. Um, and so I kind of had high expectations reading it, Um, but it was I don't know, it was pretty generic I don't know some of these characters I have not been keeping up on X-Men at all I know some of these um, characters, but it's really I don't know what to say, I don't even know if it's worth rehashing the story, it was perfectly fine, but it was kind of just somewhat generic comic booking for my taste, and you know, uh, Rogue and Gambit are somewhere, I did like that they're wearing their kind of 90s X-Men attire Uh, I enjoyed that a lot um, the other characters. So Destiny's in this. I don't know who uh, Manifold is. Eden Fessy. Don't know who that
1: is. Oh, yeah, he's one of the old, not old, old, but uh, I know the name. I can't remember his powers. <laughs>
0: um, and then it seems like there's, you know, Rogue and Gambit and Manifold are like we see briefly see Death. Not what's her name? Um, uh, gosh, with the long fingers. It's always fighting Wolverine. Um. Lady Deathstrike. Oh. Lady Deathstrike, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Lady Deathstrike. Um, like, she gets kidnapped and, you know, out of a prison truck, and then we find out that other, you know, super-powered villains are being kidnapped, and we don't know who, and it's a mystery. And that kind of seems like that's where the story is going to go, is these villains are being kidnapped. It was fine. The art was fine. It's probably as far as it would go for me. You know, does I, I, a 6.5, is that like a fine book to you? Like, it's fine? Nothing that gets you excited? That's Yeah, yeah. that's, you know,
1: average. I, yeah. I mean, I guess technically if we're doing a our scales, you know, usually to 10, I guess a 5 would be average. So
0: That feels like it was a bad book, but scores are weird, right? <laughs> um, um, but if you like Rogue and Gambit, it's got a lot of great Rogue and Gambit stuff, but um, it didn't do anything super special for me. And then I think you also did not read I Am Iron Man. Is that right? I didn't, and I was going to, I like, debated about it because there were so
1: many books this past week for me. I, I ended up putting it back after I kind of flipped through it quickly because I like
0: Iron Man. I've been reading the current Iron Man book. I honestly have no idea how to feel about this book. So it's <laughs> written by somebody I've not heard before, and I'm going to totally butcher their name. Mur, Mur, Murua? Mur, uh, I can't even say it. Um, Murph Griffin. Mur, it's spelled M-U-R-E-W-A, Murwea. Ayode, A Y O D E L E and then wow. Dotan Akandi. Um man, I feel completely terrible butchering their names and <laughs> not knowing how to pronounce it correctly. Well,
1: I well, I have no idea myself. I don't know.
0: Um but I wasn't sure if this was like a new series or if it was going to be a mini series and I think by the end of it I was more intrigued to read more because it's a mini series. Huh. And so it seems like each issue is going to be kind of taking on a different um um uh, era of iron man so at the back of the book they just say we're big fans of iron man and this is our this series is our love letter to fellow fans of the character so join us for future issues as we explore more of our favorite eras of iron man it's going to be a blast um so it seems like it's going to kind of touch on different timelines and just kind of do something fun next the next issue says it's set during archie goodwin's classic era of iron man comics it seems like maybe their goal okay. is to kind of take, hey, here's a creator. Let's We're going to play with something here. That being said, I don't really know what era this one was from, and <laughs> it picks up and just – it kind of picks up and starts running um, him being attacked by creatures that look a heck of a lot like those guys that were in um, the Jeff Lemire book we just talked oh, about. Yeah. Um, these kind of big, faceless, maybe clay-looking things that are giant and it's being controlled. Which um, – by a Would character she? that I have no idea who she is. Oh. Um, and she's by- playing a guitar, or no, mm. she's playing a bass, um, <laughs> controlling these guys by playing a bass, and then they're attacking him, and it basically just follows Iron Man fighting these guys off and jumping through time. I'm looking to see if they gave mm. her a name at somewhere in here. Um,
1: she doesn't but she's
0: just kind of following there. him through these different time zones and keeps attacking him and attacking him. And like, it seems like she kills them again and again. And then all of a sudden they're somewhere else in time and like, she's chasing him through like past, present, future. Um, this is what she looks like. I don't know if you know who the heck this person is. Doesn't
1: That power set doesn't sound familiar, especially the guitar, the bass guitar thing doesn't look familiar. I don't
0: know who that is. Yeah. So she's like shredding music to to command these guys to attack him. And it's, i mean i guess it's not like anything i've read in an iron man comic before but is there an era of iron man that uh plays out like murder falcon
1: Um, wow we uh you know we need um joel o'connor we need you to call in or email (laughs) us explain because he's he's the iron man expert um i certainly don't remember a character like that or at first when you were saying controlling i said oh must maybe have something to do with the controller but that's the, that's one of those craggy face, like Thanos face guys that uses control disc. He doesn't use a bass guitar.
0: <laughs> yeah. Uh, just don't, but uh, it what, was interesting. What? And it's just like, you know, he's immortal iron man and the invincible iron man. And he's, I am iron man. So it seems like he's kind of transporting like that starts at the beginning of the issue. He's in the iron suit. And then as it goes and jumps through time, he's in different suits fighting her. Huh. Finally, being in like the um, in this big cyber invincible Iron Man outfit that he fights her oh. in in the future. So I don't know. I don't. <laughs> I don't really know. I was scratching my head through most of the book, yet still found myself intrigued to see what it is like. I don't really know what happened in this book, and there wasn't a lot of words. There was more action than words. Art was really good. Um, I'm. St- I'm just super intrigued. So I'm just going to throw out like an 8.0 for kind of getting me intrigued on what the heck this, this thing is going to continue to be in the future issues.
1: Huh? Well now, and now that's got me curious to, uh, to check it out.
0: Yeah. I was really hoping you had read it so that you could tell me what the heck happened.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I'm not sure I could have, even if I had read it. Yeah. There was just, there was just too many to read this week.
0: (laughs) Yeah. There was, there was a lot. Um, I have two books from not this week, but from last week. Did you have anything else from this week that you wanted to talk about? Um
1: Stargirl number four was awesome. Where monsters lie number two, the series about the um, the gated community for serial killers and slashers. That was also awesome.
0: Who's who's writing that book? Oh, um, oh, actually it's Kyle Starks. Oh. I think i heard you guys talk about issue number one and i think i was maybe out of town and by the time i made it into the shop i completely forgot about it it sounds uh any anything worth sharing about that issue just keep me on point i want to i want to go back and
1: just just it was awesome i mean i love the premise and it's being investigated by this the gated community is about to be investigated by this um cop who specializes in serial killers and weird killers and he's also a survive a childhood survivor of an attack by one of these guys here but he doesn't know that that guy is in the community. So it's That's fun. Awesome. It's fun and it's cool and it's a great uh, each character is an homage to a different type of killer or a specific killer from a different movie.
0: That's I really want to read that. Uh what would you give the Square it's that w- book?
1: It's worth it. Um well, I'd give it a 8.5 a 9,
0: probably a 9. Nice. Uh have you been reading um I Hate This Place, or also known as Fuck This Place. I have not. I read the first issue of that, and then I came back and read it in trade because it felt like another (laughs) one of those ones that I would enjoy more in trade. And I read the first trade, and I really dug it quite a bit, so uh, I would highly recommend checking that out as well. It's it's a lot of fun. Yeah, I should Um, read the
1: trade. Is that a serial killer thing?
0: No, it's Kyle Starks, though. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. And it's like a cabin in the woods type of a situation and weird uh-huh. stuff going on. So there's, it kind of has a little bit of that, like, hey, they're in this cabin in the woods. And then um, uh, there's a moment where they go, they're like, watch something. And it kind of reminds me a little bit of Evil Dead, hmm. um, just to like listening to the audio tape and awaking the dead. And, um, oh, but cool. there's a different twist on it. Um, and then it's just a fun Kyle Stark's book because he has a lot of fun with his books.
1: Yeah, yeah. He's always worth reading
0: um well i know we've been talking for a long time i was really excited to either to hit either both of these we can take it and we you know if if jeff and andrew want to shorten this up they can um but do you want to talk about clayface or book three of superman space age
1: um boy either either one i read clayface a week ago so i probably won't have too much to say about because i don't have one in front of me at space age i just read Oh, a couple hours ago.
0: Um, I think we should talk about Superman Space Age, but maybe we can just say I thought Clayface was, um, you know, Colin Kelly and Jackson Lansing, and um, I thought it was pretty fun. Like, it was Clayface basically being in Hollywood, trying to get a role in The Killing Joke, it seems, that they were trying to make The Killing Joke into a movie, yeah, and he yeah. was trying to get the role of, of the Joker, right? And then he yeah. just starts, he's not getting the part, and his friend gets the part, and he kills his friend, and then he kills then he goes to play the role and then somebody else sees it and he kills that person and takes their place. And then he just like goes on this basically killing spree, like taking climbing the corporate or climbing the Hollywood, um, corporate ladder by just killing his way and impersonating everybody all the way up. Um, he's like in the produce, like the top, whatever producer, or director role. Um, and then he has a party and Bruce Wayne shows up and spoils his day.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it was, um, well not only did I think it was like the second best uh one bad day mm-hmm. thing after Tom King's first issue um I thought it was one of the best Clayface stories I've read cuz I love I love especially him I think he's I don't know if, if he's the original Clayface of uh Basil Carlo um but when you get into it you know it's a tragic story he's he was an actor now a frustrated actor and I don't even know if he was like a good actor or not. But then the, that accident, went, However, he got tra- transformed into Clayface, um, and it's just a sad story. This was a great sad story, and it was a Hollywood story. There was um, the the variant cover was a very kind of film noir cover for it, um, and it's just a great Hollywood movie story with a Batman weird Batman villain as the, cent- the centerpiece. So that was cool.
0: And I, I agree with you that it's probably, I think it's my second favorite One Bad Day um, book. It, it it was a one bad day story. Like yeah, in, yeah, it was actually multiple, about a bad day. <laughs> multiple things, right? It was a Clayface kind of having one bad day and just it just kept going and going and taking it <laughs> further and further. But then it was also the backdrop of the Killing Joke One Bad Day yeah. that this is all supposed to be an homage to. And it's like, oh, somebody else besides Tom (laughs) King got the memo that they're supposed to be writing a one bad day comic that is maybe in some vein, either following one bad day or an homage to the killing joke. And um, these Colin Kelly and Jackson Lansing definitely got the memo and I really enjoyed it a lot too. Um, Great book. I think I'd probably give it. um, I'm like 9.5, but like, then am I just being a coward?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Uh you could you could you can go higher if you want. Basil deserves it.
0: What are you gonna give it?
1: Oh, I'll give it a ten.
0: Ah, oh, see I was being <laughs> a coward. I was being a coward. All right. It's a ten for me too. It's a ten for me too. Uh, do you have one in front of you there? I do. Who's the artist? It is you just want me to pronounce try to mispronounce oh. some <laughs> of his names. It's a one name it's Zermanico. Zermanico? I think that,
1: Yeah, I think that's right. Zermanico. Um there they're art, because another thing about Clayface, I mean it's funny, lately, uh, like I'm used to Clayface as being the the humorous one, um, that's basically John Lovitz on uh, the Harley Quinn cartoon. And it was great seeing this one and Zermonico really uh kind of portrays the disgusting grossness of Clayface, of yeah, his powers.
0: Very much so, with his face melting and yeah, and also just all of the like it was pretty gruesome. Like all of the people that he's killing were all pretty violent deaths. Like it almost made me like when they really portray the villains as being like truly villainous and like murdering people, that's when the doubt comes into my mind was like, is Batman right? Is Batman She just, she just killed them (laughs) because so many people are dying gruesome deaths. Cause it's, it is they're illustrated really well in here where you just it's visceral. And it's not yeah. just, like, an off-screen death and you don't have to think about it. It's like, oh, man, like, this is brutal. Um, Maybe Bruce Wayne should just, like, actually just just, just end it. Just end it. End yeah, it.
1: it's so well done. Because, yeah, it's Clayface is tragic, but also a monster. Yeah. And
0: that's classic. Wonderful. Wonderful comic book. On to another wonderful comic book that I think will be our last one um superman space age by mark russell and then art and colors by the all reds this is a pretty good comic book too roman
1: yeah and this was another final issue of a of a series this one only a mini series, uh, three issues
0: um i know you guys had had talked about this the other issues before and like i honestly can't read this without thinking about the new frontier it just feels very derivative of New Frontier, but like in the best way possible. Um, I I really enjoyed it a lot. I know a lot of people have a lot of reverence. I have an absolute addition. And I don't, I, I have to read New Frontier again because I think maybe, maybe I like this story a little bit better personally. It felt yeah. a little bit more accessible not having a deep DC knowledge bank. So the New Frontier maybe just felt like. I would have even more reverence for it if I had a lot more deep DC knowledge. And this felt a little bit more accessible, but it also maybe I just need to look at it again with, you know, more fresh eyes. I love New Frontier. I think it's phenomenal. But I I like this a lot. I think this is maybe some of the most um, restrained Mark Russell comic book writing that I've read. Uh, I love a lot of his stuff, right? But he can get so caught up in his um you know social or political messaging that you can lose sight of just like the story itself and this felt like he was just making a really really good comic book and you could read the subtlety out of it for whatever messages you want but it was a really really good comic book and um it was more than just a superman story it wasn't just, it was like a justice league story cuz there was a lot of time spent with other you know, justice league characters but what are you what are your thoughts what are your takeaways from this
1: i really i really liked this issue I mean, one of the things i love is um and i agree with what you're saying um one of the things i love about this is that uh it's before the christ well before the crisis of infinite earth, and superman's trying to figure out a way to save humanity so he applies kryptonian technology and comes up with a way of it kind of it, for a second there it made me think of um krakoa and resurrections because superman comes up with a way <laughs> excuse me to um record any human beings um, um, DNA their genome basically and store it. And then they can be uh, recreated at some point in the future um, from the point that they were stored. And so I was like, Oh, it's like, mm, okay. So <laughs> kind of like Krakoa, but it's great. Cause it reminded me of, you know, especially in the sixties and seventies, I feel like Superman along with all his other superpowers, he was a super genius and could do stuff like somehow or create a device like this, which usually nowadays Superman, well, okay, he's super in lots of ways, but he's not a super genius. He's not a super scientist. Um, so it was a nice callback to that. And the fact that at the end spoilers, he uh, says he was inspired by the, because of a ship of the bottle that flash gave him, which was really cute and nice. Yeah. though that, that also made me think, well, wouldn't why didn't Candor inspire you? That's even more directly what you're doing here. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I like that. Um, I mean, I kind of liked the fact that he he won, but he didn't win, right? We've been following yeah. this for three books now, and we've known, like, that the end is coming. And at the end of the day, Superman didn't save Earth. He just nope. made a clone, you know, got as many samples. He doesn't even sound like he got everybody. He just got yeah. as many as he could DNA samples, and sent it to an alternate dimension where um the earth had been destroyed all of humanity had been destroyed but superman was still alive there kind of just you know i don't know pouting until the end of time because he lost Uh uh-huh and yeah and this universe's superman sent all the dna um to that other earth and that superman was able to clone everybody and basically bring them back to life. Like you said, like a Krakoa, like they wake up and they have all of the memories implanted and, you know, keep living on. And they're like, why'd you, why'd you build a statue of yourself, Superman? That's kind of creepy. And he's like, that's not (laughs) of me. It's of my friend.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And at some point, and there's, and it's cute, the last panel or almost the last panel, along with all these people, there's also uh, dogs and cats. So at some point, dogs and cats were also saved, even though it's never mentioned that you could record, anything non-human
0: well you know there's there's if you've had a dog or a cat there's dog and cat hair just freaking everywhere that's true yeah they might have been cloned and brought back just out of happenstance because there's there's freaking cat hair everywhere
1: that's a, just a bonus (laughs) it's lucky people didn't come back as be recreated some kind of hideous human dog human cat cat. dog hybrid yeah um yeah there is too bad that well not too bad but and they kind of hint in this that uh, once Lex Luthor gets out of prison, he um, manipulates things and and turns he acquires or turns pharmaceutical companies against Superman because Superman once he's created this technology basically puts pharmaceutical cures, companies out of business because cures cancer and all yeah, diseases and everything yeah can cure any disease, but I wish they had touched on the fact that because um, people had to go to these clinics whatever Superman calls the project these clinics to get inoculated. And we don't. I mean, you imagine that's out there, but we don't see spend any time with seeing like the humans that are like, "No, I'm not going to let this superhero inject me with something, or you know, <laughs> take samples of my DNA." Of course not. And I would have liked to see a little bit of that, but you know, yeah. it's only three issues.
0: <laughs> I mean, it would have been a Mark Russell book if it had addressed that. Uh, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, and also, we saw Batman and the Joker die together in this too, right? Like uh, yeah. Bruce Wayne and. Uh there's a whole there's a whole substory here going on with Batman and the Joker. And at the end of the day, Bruce Wayne went in to hand off ransom money and more or less sacrificed himself, but also killed the Joker, where the Joker was killed by somebody else. And Bruce Wayne was shot yeah. at the same time. So they both yeah, went that, down
1: together. That really surprised me too, with the fact that Luther had um, kind of manipulated that just by uh supplying information and in cash. To someone, I'm not sure if he supplied it to the Joker or if, or if it's implied that he supplied it to Jim Gordon. That
0: panel, yeah. I'm not sure. Yeah, and also Lucius Fox gets blown up as well, right? Oh, yeah. Yep. So, like, kind of all these bad things happen. Like, as soon as Superman stepped away because he started focusing on cloning everybody or getting all their DNA and sending everything to an alternate universe, he kind of just kind of gave up. And, like, <laughs> Batman dies and Lex Luthor wins... But then the world is destroyed and yeah, nothing, it, there was nothing to stop that. So Superman just embraced like, well, this is the only thing I can do to keep this humanity alive in some capacity.
1: Yeah. He didn't win for long, Luther. And it, and there's a sad scene when Superman kind of loses his his father for a third time. Um, that was well done. And, you know, there's even one panel that has Plastic Man in it yep. <laughs> in, the hall, in the hall of justice
0: he was there he was poking his head out yeah (laughs) well this was another phenomenal comic book it's a it's a good time to be alive for comics um this was another 10 for me
1: yeah that's i'd say so too yeah it's nice and it's nice it ends even though you didn't expect it because even in this issue he talks about hope hope there's narration that hope is you know the castle we all die in and that kind of thing but it still ended on a note of hope and love note of hope very sweet ending
0: just like we're going to end this podcast on a note of hope. Um, I don't have anything to follow that up with. I'm just going to say we're going to all feel hopeful together. Because yeah. there, there. actually, you know what? There is hope. Jeff and Django will be back next week, <laughs> I believe. So I just want to say I appreciate everybody who's made it this far. We talked about a lot of comics. We gushed about Bruce Campbell and Tom King. Um, yeah. We read some really cool books. And hopefully you guys enjoyed the time with us. Roman, anything left to add before we... Wrap up and send everybody on their way.
1: Uh, thank you. You know, you can send us oh crap, I don't know our email. Well, you can send us emails and it's to jeff
0: um, at the comics Make sure the is there. Um, the, you know, Jeff's mom, the Kipster, if you're with us, remember the comics the, place, she's not listening to us right now. But I'm going <laughs> to pretend that everybody yeah. who always listens to this podcast is going to listen to us today.
1: Um, yeah, and pass on the message, you know, of course.
0: Send us an email at to Jeff at just like I do every single yes. week, almost every single week. And on the weeks that I don't, Django covers with me, covers for me and comes up with an amazing question and keeps the bit going. And I love him for that. Um, but you know, your Nathan Butchers, your Andrew Carlson's, your James Burks, uh, uh, who else is out there in the world that listens? Phil Satile listens. I know you guys listen because you tell me <laughs> that you hear my voicemails. Um, um Brian Garside, you're out there. You better be listening. He's out there. Yes. Yeah. The Ted Lasbros is coming back soon. You better be listening <laughs> to that soon. Um, which is a couple of weeks away from the premiere of Ted Lasso. And oh, we are yeah. we're starting to get ready to saddle up. The sest the stash signal has been turned on. Um, so stay tuned for more episodes of The Last Bros, the Ted Last Bros, with myself, Jeff, and um Colette, the amazing, wonderful Colette. Um, and that's all I got for you guys, Roman. <laughs> Thank you for spending a Sunday afternoon with me talking about my comic, talking about comics. Um, this is a bucket list item checked off, and <laughs> i it's been an honor and a privilege to do this with you.
1: Well, thank you. It's been been the same to do this with you, It's, it's and it's nice to do it on a nice, because usually me and the guys record late in the evening, and I'm old and I'm tired, and it's so nice to do this on a nice Sunday afternoon with you.
0: I told Django we were gonna record at four o'clock in the afternoon on a Sunday. He's like, That's a weird time to do it. And I said, Roman asked if we could do it sooner. And he said, That's a bunch of BS. Roman's the one who's always pushing us back later. <laughs> there
1: there was there was a period, yeah, because I had the wrong time for like a year because I thought it was always you 8.30. you got to change your clock daylight no, savings oh i should have blamed it on that no i always <laughs> thought we started at 8 30 and then django said no we we planned for eight but then you never show up till 8 30 it's like well what i thought 8
0: 30 was the time <laughs> a peek behind the curtain well i'll send it out as jeff always does thank you everybody and keep watching the skies